chapter 37. Um, this is a very well-known scripture. Um, in the mornings, uh, Pastor Greg is actually in the book of Matthew. Um, but I get the choice to go where I want to go. So um, the Holy Spirit brought me here. Well, it was kind of cool. Uh, Pastor Greg and I went to the Pastors Conference, East Coast Pastors Conference this uh, past week. And um, it's just kind of neat how things kind of work. You know, I've been going there for several years, not knowing that Pastor Greg was going there for several years. So him and I have been going to the same conference for I don't know how many years at the same time and never really crossed paths. And then I end up in Greenville and, and you know, we know a lot of the same people and, um, you know, just the same fellowship. We've been fed the same stuff for many years. So it's just kind of kind of neat. We had a great time of fellowship. I got to see some friends I've only seen every year and got to see some people from my old church up in New Jersey. So that was a blessing. Um, and uh, so it was interesting because the theme, uh, just real quick, uh, Pastor Joe Foch, who's Calvary Chapel, Philadelphia, he's the one who they host it. And uh, we got some Philly people here. They're usually not quiet. So anyway, amen. Um, but uh, he doesn't tell, he doesn't give the pastors a theme to, to teach on. So they come and, and it's amazing to see how the Lord just makes the, the theme uh, go together. And uh, one of the things was cool that I think each person that we talked to that came out of it was one of the scriptures that, and honestly, I forget who brought it up because, you know, a couple of them even referenced it after another one. And actually, they kept accusing each other of stealing each other's notes, but that's okay. Um, it's all God, so. Um, but it was the furtherance of the gospel where Paul talks about the furtherance of the gospel. And that word furtherance, actually, in, in the picture that they gave us, the word picture was, um, in the Greek, it's actually mean like picturing a, a, a boat in the harbor, trying to get out of the harbor, but the storms keep battering it. And the boat keeps trying to get out of the harbor, but it, it keeps getting hit by those waves. Eventually, the boat's going to get out of the harbor. Same picture of as when you're, you know, doing something, um, making a sword or, or, or doing something with iron. You put it in the fire, you beat it a little bit. You put it in the fire again, you beat it to shape it. That's what that furtherance means. So it's not necessarily um, in that specific context. And we're Calvary Chapel. We like context and content background, right? So, but it's not necessarily just, oh, the furtherance here, let me give you a gospel track. Even though there's nothing wrong with that, I'm not putting that down. But there's more weight to it. It's that idea of that, that agonizing, that, that perseverance of the gospel. And I think that's something that we kind of lose here in the United States, and it's, it's a shame. There's a, a brother who, um, he uh, runs the Bible Institute in Israel, the only one in Israel. Um, he spoke, and then right after him was a, a, a brother who was a, a, an Arab. And um, we couldn't give his name. No one could videotape it because his life would have been in jeopardy. He was from Syria. And, um, you know, and, and being able to see, you know, them on stage and even them, some of the conflicts they have. But the things that they brought up, they, they were talking about the furtherance of the gospel. You know, this is life and death for them. Um, and this is serious for them. And, you know, it's funny because we talk about, and, and I'll get to the message. And my message more is, is on revival, actually, because Pastor Greg's been talking a lot about revival. And the Lord kind of hit me with that. But um, so... Uh, but the interesting thing is, as we know, those, in the areas where there's the persecuted church, you know, some, some of us as ignorant Christians will say, oh, well, you know, poor persecuted church, but they're thriving spiritually more than we are here. You know, um, bringing up the, the, the contingency from the Philadelphia area, um, I think they would agree. And this is not a negative thing, but up there you don't see a church on every corner. I feel like here you see 10 churches on every corner. You know, everybody's a Christian, and, 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 and I'm not knocking that at all. I think it's a great culture to be in. But in the same breath, you know, you've got the two um, contrasts, but yet it seems like everybody says they're Christian. And then when you talk to them, it's like, well, how does that line up with Scripture? Or how is that? And, you know, you see that, that depravity. You see that darkness. You see um, that ignorance. And none of that is to, to put anybody down because we were all once that, right? We all walked in that ignorance, in that blindness. And that's why we pray for them. That's why we minister to them. That's why we want the gospel to be alive in us, to, to walk out for these people to see something real, something alive, not just religion. You know, as my testimonies I've given many times is that's what I grew up in, religion. So I didn't know to walk it out differently. It, it wasn't alive to me. And God became alive and it changed everything. So anyway, um, this is not meant to be an exposition of Ezekiel 37. This is... Uh, more of a just an encouragement, um, again, about revival. 
um, as Pastor Greg and I talked for and during the car ride, you know, our hearts of about ministry, our hearts of, you know, for for the things of of the church and. Um, but this is meant to be more of like a one of the rungs on a la- on the ladder, right? Uh, just you know, another stepping stone. Um, you know, there's probably some things I'm not going to hit that you would think, oh, I, I would have hit that. But um, and there's things that you know we're gonna we're gonna stick to, we're gonna pull out. So um, I think this should only take about four hours. So I think we'll be okay. But um, and no touching the food until we're done in the back. So anyway. If you have your Bibles open, if you don't have one, there should be one near you or in front of you, and you can take it if you don't have one. Um, We don't have barcodes on it. They'll go off once you go through the doors. So you are good to take it if you need it, and please take it. So let's begin in Ezekiel chapter 37. We'll start in verse 1. The hand of the Lord came upon me, that's Ezekiel, and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So quick background. At this point, this is around 590 BC-ish. And um, by this, at this time, um, most of the uh, nation of Israel was taken into captivity around 720 B.C. So at this point, there's been a, a time of, and there's still a remnant that is in the land that will be finally taken. 586 is when Jerusalem actually falls completely. Um, so this is the time period when the Lord comes to Ezekiel with this vision. Um, and as we know, he says he brought him into this valley of bones, full of bones. You know, it's interesting, and I'm not going to get into this piece of it per se, but just giving an opinion because I've got the microphone. But um, there, there's some that say, well, this didn't really happen. It was just a vision or a dream. Um, and I, I don't care either way. But what I th- think is cool in my heart is that God can do anything. So if this literally happened, which scholars will waste time debating that instead of furthering the gospel, um, I think one of the, the pieces even just getting to this point is like, you know what? As believers, we need to believe that God can do anything. So if God wanted to take Ezekiel into a valley full of dry bones, he could do it. Amen? I mean, is that a reality that we believe could happen? I I do too. So good. All right. So far, so good. Anyway, so at this point, in in terms of the... the, um, what the Lord is is going to speak to Ezekiel, there's been about 130-ish years where the people have been in in captivity. Um, And we know as... God's heart is, he continually warned them. He continually told them, if you continue down this path, this is going to come. Destruction is going to come. These things are going to come. Um, and, and the heart of God is to warn, to warn, to warn. But there is also a level where then the consequences are going to hit. And that doesn't mean that he does not still love his people. But there's consequences for sin and for th- their behavior. Um, so this is indicative. He says the, the bones were very dry. Well, it's been 120 years. We know with, with, we saw with Lazarus, you know, four days and they said, hey, he stinketh. I mean, decomposition happens immediately upon death. So we're talking about 130 year span. So this is, there is nothing but dry bones, just the depravity of it. So keep that in mind. So Ezekiel says, he says, so I answered, oh Lord, you know. Now, obviously, smart guy, right? I mean, you know, you're, you're in a situation where, you know, there's no other answer. I mean, how could you even, I don't even know what I would say. I'm like, you know, Lord, you're the only one that can know. But it's showing Ezekiel's faith. And to be able to go through this process, you have to have faith. And you might say amen or you might say duh. Either way, sometimes I think we start to exchange our faith with logic or practical. Though our faith can be logical and practical, and we don't throw those things out for faith, but faith doesn't always mesh up with the logical or practical. See, I've been in instances where I've seen a, a young guy who was in a, a motorcycle accident where everyone said he's, he's going to be, he's dead. I mean, it's machines keep him alive. And we prayed over him. We prayed with him. Who, I, who knows? I was young at the time. I, praying, you know, not knowing if this guy would even hear us. A couple days later, he, he was awake. A couple days after that, he went home. A couple days after that, he came to me and said, how do I go to heaven? 
I'm thinking I've got to be the spiritual guy, to, and he came to me. I wasn't even bringing it to him. He came to me. See, the, the logical, the practical would say he's dead. There's no point. Even one nurse said, they can't, he can't hear you. <laughs> We're praying anyway, so mind your business. But, and we did, and see what God can do. See, that's where faith kicks in, right? It's that intermingling that has to occur. But nothing should override our faith. Anyway, let's move a little bit further. Um, I, I mean, you know, when you look at it, Ezekiel saying, only, Lord, only you know. I mean, our God created everything out of what? Nothing, right? Nothing. And dust, really, but nothing. So if God created everything out of nothing, I mean, what, what can he not do, really, according to his will? That's where we've got to bring in the faith because there's times where he won't do what we think. You know, we give him the script and say, this is how you really should do it, Lord. But he knows best because there's purpose in it. There's purpose why we go through some of the trials and tribulations and the tragedies. Sometimes it's not even for us, it's for other people to see him alive. To surrender to that point and say, Lord, you be glorified. I might not understand it, I might not know it, but you'll give me the strength to go through. You'll give me the, the perseverance. You'll, you'll, you'll hold my hand as we walk through this fill in the blank. And we've all got those stories and I've shared mine. So, and you know what, as an analogy, you know, you look at that and I know that sometimes, there's been times where I felt like I was a pile of dry bones, right? I felt, there's been plenty of times in my life where I felt like, man, God is just not alive to me. And I, I couldn't point fingers at anyone else but myself. Um, but the blessing as we go on this story, as you know this story for those who already know it and already know what the, the, it's going to be, but the blessing is that that doesn't matter, you know. That anytime, he's, he says, come to the water, you know. Be planted by the water. That's what he tells us in Jeremiah, right? And you will have that fruit. That you, will, you will abound. I mean, that's what he wants of us. So those times of that dryness, say, okay, and that self-evaluation, am I in a season of dryness? You know, am I in a season of just feeling like, and, and not necessarily, it's not about feelings, but you know the difference within you, the times when you're closer with the Lord, as opposed to those times where you're just distant for whatever reason. It might not even necessarily be sin. It might just be busyness of life. But whatever it is to get to that point to say, you know what, I need to get back to that that place where I'm not those pile of dry bones. But let's pick it up in uh, verse four. So again, he, the Lord said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, bring you, uh, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So not only is God asking Ezekiel this question, can these bones live? Ezekiel got the right answer. Who knows, Lord? You're the only one who can figure this out. Um, and then the Lord tells him the next step. He says, prophesy to them. Speak my word to them. And this is what I want you to say to these bones. So again, I mean, at this point, it's like, okay, now he's going to be speaking to these this pile of, of dry bones. Kind of weird, kind of funny. You know, uh, Ezekiel probably had a little more faith than our sarcastic culture does, but um, for him to be able to do this. But again, that, that picture of the dry bones is that they were once alive. So as you look throughout this, I mean, it, it gives me that hope, you know, and we know our God is continually, the, you know, and he says to his people throughout the Old Testament, you turn to me and I will be your God. And you will be my people. You know, it's, his heart is always there for just turn to me. Well, you don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter what you've done. Well, you don't know the life I live. You don't know, I don't know if God can forgive me. My father lived like that until a month before he passed away. And he grew up in church. And he was, the 25 years that he was with my family, he was in church and didn't believe that he, could, he was good enough to go to heaven until the word of God became alive to him. And then he understood that it wasn't about being good enough. So at any moment, no matter where we are, no matter where our loved ones are, there can be that time of that transformation, that turning, that repentance. We all have seen it. I know it. We've all, we're all here, so we've seen it in our own lives. But we've seen it in other people's lives too. I'm sure that you're saying there's no way. I, I've seen it in a couple people's lives. Where I said, there's no way. Lord, he's, yeah, he's big, he's strong, but there's no way. And, you know, Lord put me in my place, thankfully. But... We know that Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? 
the word of God. It's the word of God. And I think that's the sad part of our culture is that a lot of churches, they have the agendas that they want to, you know, I have a point I want to make and let me find scriptures to make my point as opposed to here's the scripture and here's the point, right? Because that's where you, uh, I grew up in that church that didn't open the Bible. So therefore I didn't know the word of God. Therefore I didn't know God. Therefore I didn't know God from Genesis to Revelation. So I didn't know his whole character. I didn't know his whole person. So I didn't know that when I sinned, I didn't have to run away and clean myself up and then come back to him. That he was there to clean me up. He was the one that was going to do the work within me. You know, when you get to know the God of justice, then he desires holiness and obedience, but it's him who does it within us. You know, when you open the word of God, then life begins to happen. It becomes alive to you. That's one thing with my sons, you guys know that there's a pew open, so you know my sons aren't here, but I got four boys, and um, I don't worry about them. I pray for them, but I don't worry about them. And some of them, you know, are going different paths, and, and I, don't, I don't worry about them. Not only because I went d- down a path that uh, my mom was here a couple weeks ago, and she was bringing up something that she was concerned about. I said, well, Mom, I did much worse than that growing up. You didn't know about it. So, and she just kind of sat up. And I said, like, so I'm not worried about my boys. So um, after I did CPR on her, and she was, you know, woken up. No, she never thought I was an angel. Um, but, but point being is that I know God loves them more than I do. So therefore, I don't worry about them because I know that he has them in his hand. And, and one of them I see going down a path, and it's heartbreaking, but you know, I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to worry. Why? Because well, the Lord tells me to trust in him not to worry, but I know the Lord loves him. I know his testimony is going to be amazing on that day, on that right day, when he when it finally becomes alive to him. Because he can tell you things of God. All my sons could, just like I could growing up. Just like a lot of Christian people can, right? But when you see that, that change and they start walking it out, why? Because the word of God is alive and it becomes alive in the heart and the, in the ears of the hearer, whether it's physical ears or spiritual ears. So I want to encourage you in that. And one thing too, when you see in the scripture the word shall, King James uses shall, I think New King uses it. I'm not sure where the other ones use it, but that word shall is a definitive word. It means this will happen. So when God tells you in the scriptures, this shall happen, you know, those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Guess what? They're going to be saved. So here he's saying to them, and they would know this. The hearers of, the, of, this, of this prophecy and this scripture would know this. They wouldn't question it. It's not a word that kind of, you know, they gloss over and, and, and don't think of. It has that same power. So when he says to them, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. It's something that's going to happen. So when Ezekiel's hearing this, I, I don't even, I'm not going to pretend to know what's going through his head, but he knows the, 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 the breath of what's being said to him right now. So the Lord is saying, I'm going to do these things, and then you shall know that I am the Lord. We've all had those experiences where he said, whoa, man, God is real. God is alive. So verse 7, Ezekiel says, so I prophesied as I was commanded. There's obedience. And I prophesied, and there was a noise, and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. So as Ezekiel responded in obedience, then this, this slow revival begins, right? So we start to see, um, and, and one of the things I like too is that God didn't just like pop it together, right? Which he could, right? We know that the, um, some of the healings that Jesus did, it was immediate, it said. You know, a lame man got up and walked, where we know that the atrophy that would have occurred, wouldn't, he wouldn't have been able to get up and walk. There were, you know, he had to go through physical therapy, make sure his insurance covered it, all that kind of stuff. But it was immediate. It was an immediate healing. Um, also, a uh, man with um, leprosy, there was immediate healing there. So we know God can do the immediate. But with this, God is showing a process. First, the bones came together, right? And this is, this is logical, you got to put the bones together first. You know, you don't want to, you know, it's like a puzzle. You, you, you put the wrong pieces together, it's, it's not going to work. So he sees the, the bones first. And then he sees the sinews and the, and the uh, muscles, which is the development, the proper development of a body, a healthy body. And then he sees his skin being formed on it. So what I like about this and what kind of stood out to me was that Ezekiel didn't have to question. I wonder, if the, I wonder how it happened because he saw it happen in front of him. 
So there, there would be no question that this, this is a, a group of healthy, the way these bodies were supposed to be put together, beings. That's something that stood out to me. So what's interesting here, and I'll just take a little break from this point. Um, so up until the uh, last century, the church, some theologians did something which, you know, is understandable but unnecessary, was they did what's called replacement theology. Replacement theology said that because Israel was no longer a nation or uh, a nation, that, well, God must be talking about the church here. Um, and as we know from May 14th, 1948, the nation of Israel once again became alive. So the danger with changing scripture to fit your logic is, is pretty evident. But one of the things is, and, and it's understandable too, because um, no race has been able to maintain its ethnicity um, without a homeland after 200 years because of assimilation to the, the new culture that they're in, um, intermarriage, all those things. They eventually get absorbed into that culture. So understandably at this point, you know, this is 2,500 years after this prophecy that God makes the nation of Israel come alive. How did, how did he rebirth the nation? Well, what the, they had to go through a horrific tragedy of World War II, right? The Lord used that to bring about the, not only the fruition of this prophecy, but the fruition of his love and bring this, the, Israel back to being a nation. So I think it's, it's interesting, and, it's, and that's why we need to be careful that if we don't see in the, in the physical realm things happening the way that we think they should, what Scripture says. We do, do not change Scripture. Just believe it. Believe that it's, it's what it says is going to happen is going to happen, and don't change it to make sense so you have a better, you know, I'm a little bit biased to some of the, some of the um, scholars because of what I grew up with, but um, so that probably comes out a little bit in my sarcasm. But, um, but to me, it's like, you know, to, don't try to, to, so you can explain it make it make sense to what you, to your agenda. You know, if there's things that, that are in here in the word of God, can, can everybody, raise your hand if you can explain God completely. Just real quick. Just real quick. Don't, no. okay, no one. All right. Raise your hand if everything in the Bible makes sense to you. Everything in the, er, no, okay. All right, cool. We're, I'm, at the good, I'm at the right church then. Because there's things we cannot explain and scholars will try to explain and try to give logic and, and try to, to make it make sense so they have a good argument. And there's some things that the, the, the um, educated world doesn't, doesn't accept of, well, I believe it just because I believe it. That's what the word of God says. You know, you can to a degree, one of the best examples is, and I'm not going to be talking about now, but um, is, you know, predestination versus free will. They both coexist. The Bible talks about both. And we can give our arguments, and there's pieces of the church that will break off. Calvinism versus Arminianism. They'll break off and, well, no, this, no, this. Well, this, it's together. There's, there's both are, are interacting as one. You know, just like the Trinity. Can you completely explain the Trinity? I can give you my, my how I understand it, but to completely understand it and put words to it, I'm not going to ask for hands for that. But... Um, yeah, I mean, there's some things we just can't, but you know what? And that's where faith comes in. That's where the belief of, you know, but I, I believe it. I believe it. Why? Because the word of God says it. So let's look at real quick, Luke chapter 24. We're going to pick it up in verse 13. I tend to talk fast, so I apologize for that. If time starts creeping up on me. I'm going to start talking faster, so I apologize more for that. But um, I, want to, I got a couple of scriptures I want to go through that I think will, will go in line with what I feel like the Lord um, wants me to bring to you guys. So Luke 24, verse 13. You guys know this story. Now behold, two of them, two disciples, were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they had talked together of the, all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were restrained so they did not know him. So we know just real quick that this was after the, the crucifixion, after Jesus was crucified. Um, verse 17, and he said to them, what kind of conversation 
um, he said to them, Jesus, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? Have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he, Jesus said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And, who, uh, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who had said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. Then he said to them, Jesus said to them, O foolish ones, how slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ have suffered these things uh, and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures and all the things uh, concerning them. See, here's the danger. As these disciples were walking, um, they were saying in verse 21, we were hoping that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. They went into the relationship with Jesus with their own agenda, hoping that he would be this picture. Have you ever met somebody who had their own picture of God and it really didn't line up with what the scripture said? And they were professing Christians, not obviously, you know, the Muslims or, you know, the Buddhists or whatever. They, that's a different story. But Christians who kind of, you know, the choose-your-own-adventure theology. Do you guys remember those books, Choose Your Own Adventure? Um, I used to have a stack of them. I love those books. Um, I don't want to do it this way. Let's go that way. You know, a lot of people use the Bible in that way. They, they, I remember somebody who didn't like reading specific things about spiritual warfare. So that didn't exist because they were afraid of demons. So therefore, that wasn't the... And it was like, yeah, like, it's all, it's all together. It's all one. And we don't have to be afraid of that stuff. But anyway... Um, but that was the problem with disciples, as you know. They were going into it, and they were learning and, and sitting before Jesus with that agenda of he is coming to do what we want him to do. And that's why Jesus came back and said, how foolish, how, how hardened were your hearts? And he expounded, and I love this, he expounded from the beginning to the end well, uh, about himself throughout the, uh, throughout the scriptures. Um, So, picking up in verse 28, uh, in verse 20, chapter 24, 28, then, then they drew near to the village um, where they were going. You know, real quick, go back. You know, those who only get out of the scriptures what they, they, they desire to get out of it. You know, they do the hit and run devotional times if they do. They read the scriptures that are, you know, everybody knows. They're not really going to the depth of God, going into some of the harder um, scriptures to get to know God. You know, I, I kind of had that picture of, you ever, um, you ever see those people go to the gym all the time, but the only thing that is huge is like their biceps and everything else is like puny. Like that's how I kind of picture it. Like they're working out just those arms and I don't know for what reason only the arms, but you see them like they could be behind the pulpit and have like these huge arms like, wow, look at that person. And they walk out and it's like, looks like, like a six-year-old with lower body, you know, like the legs are so puny. Um, but anyway, but that's what we do when we, we, we neglect the rest of the body to feed the rest of the body and we only focus on certain areas instead of taking it all in. That's what I love about um, Calvary Chapels. We go verse by verse. We go through it. Why? To get those things that we need to hear and sometimes we don't want to hear. You know, sometimes it's excruciating when you go through the genealogies, but there's even purpose in that. You know, names have meanings and how the Lord put those things together. It's so cool. Anyway, balanced meal, right? You have to have a balanced meal. Um, so, okay, verse 28 in Luke. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther, um, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. Uh, and he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, verse 30, as he sat at the table with them, that he uh, took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, did, our, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? So the importance here too to understand is that, you know what? And I think we all, 
if we are truly walking with the Lord and we have that relationship with him, you know, there's times where you have that burning, right? Like, man, the Lord's really speaking. Or it might be like the Holy, Holy Ghost goosebumps or something, but you know what, well, you get that emotion. But the, the problem is with a lot of people is that they base their walk on the emotion as opposed to, you know, the, the rational, as opposed to the, um, you know, the obedience of what we need to do. There's times, I'm sure I'm the only one, there are times in the morning when I don't want to get up early to spend time with the Lord. I'm confessing to you guys right now. I know you probably maybe won't listen to me any longer, but, um, you know, I struggle sometimes in the morning to do that quiet time, and I struggle. But there's also times when I don't feel like it. I don't, I just, you know, whatever. Maybe battling life's trials and tribulations and instead of running to the Lord, I just, I'm sorry, Lord, I just don't feel like doing it now. But it's not about the feeling. It's about the, the obedience and, and continuing in it, that perseverance, that furtherance within us to be able to further it, you know, to the world. And um, so it's awesome. I love that the Lord gives us those times where we know that we've, we sense him, he's alive. You know, we have those experiences and it's awesome. But that's not the foundation of, of, of the facts. It's just an outpouring. It's just the fruit of, of what the Lord's doing. And so something to keep in mind. Anyway, let's jump back to Ezekiel 37. And uh, we will pick it up in verse 9. So Ezekiel says, Also he, God, said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood upon their feet an exceedingly great army. You know, again, not, not a, a condemnation or a judgment at all, but you wonder how many are in the church that do not have the breath of God within them. You know, I'm sure we all have come from situations or grew up in situations or have those situations where the breath of God was not in that congregation. Um, I've been in a couple of circumstances like that, and man, it's difficult. It's, it's tiring. It's taxing. It's, it's burdensome. It's, it's heavy. Um, it's exhausting. And, uh, you know, the idea of, of trying to do these things without the breath of God within us, I don't know how we do it. Most people don't last. You know, they get burned out because it's not, it's, it's our flesh trying to keep it going instead of his spirit, right? One of the things, and I, I knew that, uh, I knew that Lucas was going to do the song this morning because, um, because I knew the scripture I was going into and he didn't know. He asked me last week, what are you teaching on? And actually, I was going to be teaching on something completely different last week, so it's a good thing I didn't tell you. But um, and when I was leaving, I told him, I said, I don't know, listen to the Holy Spirit. He'll sync us up. We'll figure it out. And um, so it wasn't until really pretty much yesterday that this is what I came up with. And I knew that he would do great are you, Lord. And that's one of the things I love that song. It's your breath in my lungs so I can pour out my praise. It's your money in my pocket so I can give you an offering, a praise offering. It's your talents that you've given me so I can glorify you, right? This is not us, this is him. So what I love is that this army, this, this, this pile of bones, even when they brought together, I almost was, had this picture of like a bunch of just piles of zombies now, okay? He has a bunch of these bodies with the bones together, the, the sinews, the muscles, the, the skin, but there's no breath, there was nothing in them. They're just, you know, mannequins and dummies just sitting there. It wasn't until the breath of God came into them that they became not just a great army, an exceedingly great army. It's that breath of God. I pray continually throughout the day, Lord, fill me afresh and anew. You know, I don't, I'm not one that believes it's one and done. You know, I continue. I think it was, I don't know if it was, it was one of those guys, it was either Spurgeon or Moody that said, you know, they asked, he was asked, why do you continue to ask for a filling of the Holy Spirit? He says, because I leak. I leak. And sometimes it's been in traffic. Sometimes it's at work. Sometimes it's with my kids and I leak all over them. But Lord, help me. You know, it's, it's by his spirit within me that I can, can persevere. And, uh, but I, I think that's, the, that's so cool that, you know, that God didn't do it all together. Ezekiel had to see the process and then realize that it wasn't until the breath of God came into him. That's when they became an exceedingly great army. And um, so... To try to apply this to our lives, and I'm sure you guys have already taken a lot from it, but so how do we walk this out? Again, I'm not going to be telling you anything you don't know. This is more of an encouragement or refreshment. So we're going to jump now 
keep your finger in Ezekiel 37. We're going to jump into John 15. So John 15. We'll pick it up in verse 1. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them up, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, you'll ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. So, This is the question, right? Are we abiding? And this is a question that you need to ask yourself. And this is probably a question when I would say, you know, um, when you're feeling distant or when you're struggling or maybe you used to struggle with language and it's starting to creep back up or maybe you, you used to struggle with certain things and then, you know, you got rid of them but now they're starting to creep back into your life. Are you abiding? Because if you're not abiding... And the further you get away, it's kind of like your your fire. You're going to get warm when you're near the fire, right? The further away you get from the fire, it's weird how this happens, but you get less warm. You get colder. Then it's that same idea. And so some, how I grew up, it was Sunday mornings for an hour, hour and a half-ish. That's where you got your fuel for the rest of the week. You didn't do anything on your own. That Sunday morning, and if that pastor didn't have a good teaching or sermon or whatever, then, you know, you are going to be struggling the rest of the week. That's how I grew up. There's some people who still operate like that in the church today. They think, I'm going to just take whatever the pastor is being fed and just pouring out to you guys as if that's your nourishment, if that's your meal. And I would, I think I could, I would be safe to say that no one only eats on Sunday morning and waits till the next Sunday morning to eat. If you do, you're in trouble. But that's the point of being is that, you know what, God's saying, you know what, you need to be so connected to me, you're part of the vine. You need to abide in me and to stay with me and to persevere with me. And he says, if you're one of mine, I'm going to prune you. So there are those times where the Lord allows us to go through those circumstances to better us, to strengthen us. You know, some of them are self-inflicted, right? We know that. You guys know my testimony. Some of what I went through is self-inflicted. But the Lord was faithful through it and used it to to purify, used it to, to strengthen, used it to, you know, um, break down and to rebuild all these things. But the Lord used those things, not because he hated me, not because he was angry at me. Consequences were some of the stuff that was on my, on me. It was my fault. You know, I wasn't blaming God for the circumstances that I, and the consequences that I brought on myself, but he was in that time, in that process, telling me how much he loved me and showed me that this is for a purpose and this is for my glory for his glory. And that's what it comes down to. So my encouragement with that, if you guys feel like you're, you're just going through the motions and if you're going through, um, you know, the religious steps, we all have come from different religious backgrounds. Some of them are more stringent and more regimented of things you have to walk through to feel like you're saved or feel like you're a good person and all that kind of stuff. But this is not what God's calling to us. He's saying, just be close to me. How are we going to be close to him? Well, it's in his word. That's how we know him. That's how we know God through his word. And he manifests other things through fellowship, right? Healthy fellowship, great fellowship. I mean, I, I love Sundays with our, our church family. The times that I miss it, it's, it, it, it's upsetting to me. Um, but that's the blessing that we have that God has created this family uh, for us to, to abide together, to iron sharpen iron, to encourage one another, to, to if you're, if you have those people in your life who will challenge you, you know, if you don't have people in your life that will challenge you, that you will listen to, I would say you need to pray about it and find somebody. And maybe you don't need to be challenged at all, but you know what? It's good to have people in your life that you can say, hey, you have an open door to challenge me if I'm, um, you see something that's not of God. Then I, I promise you you'll be blessed by it.
And if not, I'll do it. Just if you want me to do it, I'll do it. Just kidding. Anyway. Um, so just to end up, let's, let's go back to Ezekiel 37. And we're going to pick up in verse 11. Then he, God, said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I've opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from the graves. I will put my spirit in you and you shall live. I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. He is the one that opened the graves, right? This is not, I know this is um, Memorial Day weekend and it's a, it's a very reverent Monday, even though it's, it's a day off and it's the beginning of summer. It's kind of morphed into that. But it's a time when we reflect, we, we look at the, um, we honor those who, went before us, right, who in battle. And, um, and you know, although this is not necessarily a memorial message, you know, Memorial Day message, the, what we do every day should be a memorial, right? It should be a memorial to what God did. He gave his life for us on the cross. And, um, but with this, um, it's not only a memorial, but it's also a, a reflection of what's going to be not only present, but future, Right? I mean, as we walk this out, we are the living dead. We were once dead in the grave in our trespasses. Whether we lived a, just a good life and then came to know the Lord, or whether we lived a life that was horrendous and, and you know, would make, uh, you know, parents blush and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't matter. We all were once in a grave that Jesus had to come and reach down in that grave and reach his hand out. And we had to choose to take that hand, right? And so... With that, God's saying, I can, I can open these graves. You look at this specific prophecy, 2,500 years later, 2,500 years later did this come to fruition. How many things are we still looking forward, we're still looking forward to, right? That the Lord coming back and, and all the prophecy that has to do with that and all the, the changes that, you know, theologians, the smart people tell us are going to happen. And, 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 and yet, what, what does the word of God say? You know, I'm going to abide in the Word and the Word of God and abide in Him so I don't veer off into any of those, you know, get a hold of the wrong YouTube channel and you end up listening to somebody who doesn't have any, you know, biblical experience whatsoever, but they're telling you their opinions. I mean, we need to make sure, especially as the days are growing darker, we know the Lord's coming back soon. There's a lot of heresy out there. There's a lot of people who don't have any even knowledge. It's important to even look at who's, who you're listening to. What's their background? You know, what, is, what are their beliefs? You know, don't just listen. It's just like the media, right? <laughs> we know which media outlets are going to be more to the left, which ones are going to be more to the right. And I don't think there's any in this country that we can really listen to to get the truth, but um, you kind of have to filter it and, and sadly go outside of our country to get some of the, some of the actual current events. But, um, you know, this is where it, it comes down to, you know, God says, you know, when he gives us his shalls, these things are going to happen. These things don't need to be changed to conform to our beliefs and our, and our desires and our, our ways of life. But this is where we, when we accept these things that God is saying, I'm going to do these things and it's going to be an exceedingly great army and it's going to be alive. No one could have thought that this would happen. Nobody would have thought the nation of Israel would be born again in 1948 and they were. And the enemy tried to, and the enemy tried to annihilate them completely. And God said, Ping. He just plucked the enemy off of his shoulder, right? And made them come alive again. So the hope is, we're sitting here, we already have that hope, right? We already know. Man, God is alive. I would encourage you, if you're, if you're in that dry valley, hey, you know what? There's water right, right around the corner. Just like that. You just have to make that decision to, to go to it and drink. And he says, you know, drink freely. Come freely. 
It's always open, always available to us as believers, but it's also to the non-believers. So it's to our family and friends. And I think with the last few messages I've given, I've always come back to this point because it's my burden. I've got some family that, you know, who are, who are older, who don't know the Lord. I don't worry about them, but I'm like, ah, oh, you know, Lord, you can, you can come alive to them. You can do that. Um, and even if they're on their deathbed, and even if they're in a coma, and even if they're incoherent, they can still hear. I believe it. I've seen it. I don't know. I can't explain it. So don't, don't ask me. Just believe in a God who can do it. And you know, when you see somebody who, who, who is seemingly not going to survive, still pray over them as if they can hear you. Because there's something that happens in the spirit world that we cannot see, but we know is happening. So I would encourage you in that. But this, this picture of God taking something that once was dead and brought to life. And not only Memorial Day do we, we, we honor those who went before us in that way. You know, but the, the Calvary is that daily memorial for us. And that's why we, it's important for us, for this to be alive in our lives so that we can show it as we're walking out. As we walk in day in and day out. So our coworkers don't understand why we have the peace when, when we've gone through such tragedy. Well, yeah, this is, we go through horrific times, but this is what the Lord's doing. This is why, this is how, because of God being alive. You know, hopefully that God is so intertwined with your life that when somebody asks you about how things are going, God comes out in your answer. Not because it's forced, not because, and not that you're worrying about, well, you know, especially at work, is HR going to, but that this is just something that, that is part of you that can't be, can't be taken out, can't be ripped out. So, I want to read this to you real quick. This is, um, this was written August 2018. It says, Revival hits army base with 1,459 receiving Christ. Army chaplain Jose Rondon believes there is nothing more exhilarating in life than seeing people come to Christ. In the last six months, Rondon has experienced that exhilaration with more than 1,400 professions of faith. Something, uh, something one could describe as spiritual awakening at Fort Leonard Wood, that's in Missouri, his place of ministry. Because of his reputation for being intentional in his ministry, intentional, um, many have come to hear Rhonda and share the gospel on Sundays. He says, we have seen 1,459 soldiers come to Christ since March of this year. Rhonda said, God is doing great things at Fort Leonard Wood among the hundreds of soldiers who have come to know Christ personally. Our troops who are increasingly hungry for truth and relevancy in their lives are finding a faith that works through a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus. Um, the current spiritual awakening at Fort Wood is indicative of a great move of God taking place within the armed services today. Revival's happening. And you know, I know Pastor Greg's heart's been, he's brought up a couple times about revival. And you know, if it, obviously we, we would love to see a world revival. How awesome would that be? We would also love to see a revival in our country. We would love to see it in South Carolina and wherever our home base might be. We'd love to see it here. But it's not going to happen, and we don't, we're not responsible for anybody but ourselves. There's got to be a revival within. And it's got to be, and you, it, it, I would pray that it's not a revival from dead bones to this kind of life, but there'll be a daily renewal, a daily revival, daily filling of the Spirit. So we are daily walking out our faith. And then to be encouraged that in Syria, there's a, a, a body of believers that are thriving. In China, the persecuted church is thriving. And in an army base in Missouri, there's revival. There's revival all around us. But the revival for us here has to start with each one of us. I'm not responsible for your revival. You're not responsible for mine. You're responsible for your own. So my encouragement to you would be, hey, if, take that self-assessment. Where are you in your walk? Where are you in your faith? Does, does there's, some of it come, become a little bit rusty? Has some of it, you know, gotten a little dusty? Now's the time to clean it up. Now's the time to say, Lord, you know what? Change that in me. And sometimes that's a prayer every day. Sometimes it's a couple times a day, you know. But for that to be something that you desire, that prayerful. And can you imagine as us as a, a family together, having that same desire, having that same prayer for ourselves and one another and for our church, 
I mean, what are the limits that God could do? You know, we're praying for a church, right? For a new building. And this building is, is sufficient for, for what our needs are right now. But praying for a new building and praying for, for God to move in that way, you know? And we don't, we don't murmur and complain until it happens. We just say, Lord, in your timing, in your perfection, in your, in your ways. You know, that's what, that's what we desire. But that faithfulness of walking that out, those prayers, right? Because who knows what God will do? Who would, who would have thought that God would take, years ago, who would have thought God would take in a strip mall or an old bank building and turn it into a church, right? I mean, a lot of the Calvary chapels, the, the one I came from up in New Jersey, they bought the whole strip mall. Who would have thought? You know, and they didn't have to have their own uh, coffee ministry because there was a Dunkin' Donuts and a Starbucks right in front. So, I mean, everything was there. You could basically, you know, fence off the whole place and no one would leave because there was a Wendy's and, you know, you had food, you had important sustenance like coffee. I mean, it was almost like heaven. Except for it was New Jersey, so you're not even close to heaven. But anyway, um, probably shouldn't have ended on that, but that's what happened. But uh, I like in uh, Ezekiel 36 where uh, verses 25, 27, God says to them, you know, I'm going to put a new heart in you. I'm going to cleanse you and you will be cleansed. I'm going to take the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. God is the one who does the work. It's his breath in our lungs. And that's why we can pour out our praise. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful that it is all you. We are so grateful that it's not by our works, it's not by our deeds, it's not by our our righteousness that, Lord, we have anything. Lord, but it's all by you. Lord, we understand that you had to bear a horrific burden for us, Lord. That you had to be brutalized to to, um, bear our sin and to wash us and to cleanse us. But Lord, we are so grateful that you did so. We are so grateful, Lord, that you called us out of the grave. Lord, that you called us out of religion. Lord, that you called us out of a a pile of bones, Lord, and you made us alive in you. Lord, we know that we can't ever give you enough thanks and praise for that. But Lord, we pray that our lives might be able to reflect our gratitude. Lord, that we will live in, in, in gratitude and thankfulness for what you have done, Lord. What you continue to do and what you're going to do, Lord. Lord, we cannot wait for that day when we hear that trumpet, Lord, and we're in your presence, Lord, that we, we can see you face to face, Lord, that we can rejoice, Lord. Until that time, Lord, I pray that you would just give us the strength, the perseverance, Lord, that we would understand, Lord, that this is not going to be easy and not try to take the easy road, Lord. Lord, but that we would persevere because, Lord, you endured the cross for us. So, Lord, today as we fellowship in the back and the rest of this day, Lord, we pray that you are honored and glorified. Lord, we pray that you would still be amongst us. Lord, we pray that you would just bless us, Lord, that you would um, have your faces shine upon us, Lord. And, Lord, that you would continue to be gracious unto us, Lord. And uh, We know we don't deserve it, and we thank God for that. Lord, it's your grace that has uh, done it all. So we thank you, Lord. So we come before you, Lord, as brothers and sisters, um, as a family, Lord, and we just say, Lord, we love you and we thank you. And we come before you, Father, boldly before your throne, praying this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Mm -hmm.